Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today we hear from Steve Coburn, Managing Director at both Project 5, a multi-award winning IT support company and also Login, a 20,000 square foot live music venue, coffee house, wine bar and co-working space in the very centre of Camberley in Surrey. Amongst other things, Steve is also Director at the Surrey Chamber of Commerce and Chairman of Collective Camberley, the Business Improvement District for Camberley. Steve is an interesting individual who's had a very varied background and I wanted to get him on the show to get his well-rounded perspective on subjects such as his entrepreneurial drive, his future-focused attitude and the future of the high street to also leading and creating positive change, making people proud of their town centre and how he transitioned from being the founder of an IT company to running a large hospitality operation like Login. Please do enjoy the show. Hi Steve, welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, great. It's great to have you on the podcast. Going to be talking about your own business entrepreneurial journey, but also your thoughts. You know, we're in this wonderful facility here, uh, the Login Business Lounge, and the Login Lounge. And just want to have a chat with you really about the future of the High Street, but also about Camberley as a kind of town, as a district, and what's going on here. So. Lots for our listeners to hear about, but we should really start, shouldn't we, Steve, with a little bit about you and your journey and how you've got to here. Yeah, okay. Oh, <laughs> a little bit. Um, I, I um, left school, uh, took a gap year. Um, I think I was about 45 years old when my dad said to me, you're never actually going to university, are you? <laughs> um, I did uh, volleyball in the south of France for a bit. I did some lifeguarding. Um, I became a weatherman. I did marketing for Giorgio Armani and Ralph Lauren. Uh, I went to work for Andersons, one of the the big five. Um, And uh, 20 years ago, I set up uh, an IT business, been involved in forensic data recovery for the Enron investigation um, through to managing uh, IT support for uh, SMEs in the local area. Um, I do a number of not-for-profits. I've got positions at British Chambers of Commerce, Surrey Chambers of Commerce, uh, I'm the chairman of Collectively Camberley, which is yeah. the uh, business improvement district here in, in the town centre. Uh, I uh, am a director at the Surrey Cyber Security Cluster, another not-for-profit, working with the different universities around here. Um, and I uh, run the Login Lounge, which is uh, a live music, live entertainment, uh, wine bar, uh, coffee house and co-working facility, 20,000 square foot in the centre of Camberley. 
So I think that's probably about the shortest wow. I've ever been able to answer that question. <laughs> that's quite a CV as well. <laughs> Few things there, I suppose. I suppose, you know, 20 years ago, started your own business with that very varied and really interesting background before that. Do you think you're always destined to do your own thing? Uh, yeah, I think um, my my dad was a second-hand car dealer. Okay. Um, I have always been very entrepreneurial, very practical, Um you know, the range of skills I've got from I'll be going in there and uh, uh, sorting out a broken flush on the toilet through to, you know, serving a, a pint of beer behind the um, the bar or one of our 50 gins or one of our fine wines through to doing the uh, audio visual for the live music on the stage yeah. or even picking up a guitar myself. Uh, yeah, I've always been someone who um, I don't I don't get into a lot of detail. Yeah. Um, but I can spread myself very, very wide. Yeah. So when you've got that kind of skill set, um, yeah, you're, you're always going to be someone who, who kind of runs your, your own business and has a good team around you to then actually get into the into the weeds and well, that, the detail. That's interesting because it's something I'll just, you know, it would be worth this just exploring, I suppose, is there's that possibly with that variety of different things and roles and interests, is there the danger of you having that kind of magpie effect or is it that you've you do you know that and that's why you've surrounded yourself with great people um yeah i i guess i get easily distracted um i guess it's not really distraction i i I can be focused it's probably more i get easily bored um but i i very much uh operate uh in the future i am i'm always looking out ahead at what the vision and the destination is and then working back uh, to try and get to some of the detail and right. some of the direction that we need to get there. Um, my my wife, uh, Hazel, and I, um, we kind of complement each other brilliantly in that sense. Uh, she's the finance director. She's invoicing for stuff that's already happened. Her hobbies are archaeology, okay. uh, history documentaries, all that kind of stuff. Um, and at Christmas, I went out with uh, I went out with a few different friends and catch ups. But one friend in particular asked me a question that completely threw me. And the question was, "What was your highlight of 2022?" Yeah, well, I don't know. That's behind me. I'm not looking at <laughs> yeah. that. Everyone else I went out for dinner with asked me a different question, which is, "What does 2023 yeah, look, look like? like? What's going to happen next year? Where will we be this time yeah. next Christmas?" And so, yeah, I guess I've always. I'm always looking forwards. I'm always. I've got a plan. I can't always share the plan with the people mm-hmm. around me because otherwise I confuse them and distract yeah, them because because I'm already too far ahead. Yeah, they're living in the now and dealing yeah. with the now and yeah, um, making it happen. And yeah, you're thinking about the future. So yeah, I think I think I'm focused. Yeah, but I do think I get bored easily, which is why I have to try new things. Try new things, experiment, yeah. and yeah, do things. It's interesting though. Like even in that piece there, you, we we talk about, and I think it's. It's a trap that business owners, leaders can fall in into. We all th- think about naturally about what's next, the future, and don't look behind us. But sometimes that means we don't celebrate our successes. Yeah. And in particular, we don't celebrate our successes with our team enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely see that. Um, I think it is important sometimes just to, to to take a breath and do that. I think one of my, my favourite things I've done over the years... Um, Normally on a on a say Friday night, you know weekend, just about to leave uh, the office, and just before I turn out the lights, I sort of turn around and look back and just go, actually, I did that. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it is nice to to 
to just take stock every now and then and yeah where we are now um in the login lounge again it's there's just so much to look at and you just look at it and just go yeah actually i built that i did that i put that together i did all that kind of stuff yeah. and it, it yeah it's something to be proud of definitely i mean it's, it is an amazing flexible space as we should probably come in onto and talk about because one of the things that intrigues me and i need to ask the question how does somebody that's been in the it game for 20 years running a successful it business get into running you know uh, the, the login lounge a hospitality venue co-working flexible space all of yeah. those things it's quite a transition and you did it immediately post that pandemic which fascinates me in april 21 so how did it all come about steve okay so i guess in a way in order to really sort of fully understand that we have to look at a number of things but first of all how i run project five um so the it company that i run i have an upside down organizational chart okay. so um my role at the bottom of the organizational chart is to give everybody above me the skills, tools, and motivation to want to come in okay. and do their job. So I am there as an enabler. I host them, if you like. Um, and uh, I, when running a typical kind of IT company in a sort of typical office, it would be me that would be running around in the background making sure that bins were sorted that was happening this was happening and when everybody came in on a monday they could just crack on and do their work yeah. they didn't need to think about the environment around them um i've always been really i've always really enjoyed hosting parties you know the project five summer barbecue and the okay. project five socials um hosting them is what we do yeah so actually um moving into the login lounge and visibly hosting as a product yeah or a service is is it's actually quite a more natural, natural trans transition because, than you would because it yeah. was it was what I was doing before. It's yeah. just it was never the service. It was an enabler that made uh, gave the rest of the team the opportunity to provide the service. So that was that was one aspect of the story. The other aspect of the story was um, I rewind back to twenty seventeen, um, I think it was, and um, Project Five won the National Technology Awards as the best um, IT support company Fantastic. in the UK. Um, to celebrate, I wanted to give all of our staff and all of our customers a gift. Um, I was having a conversation with one of our customers and they came up with this idea of um, gin is really popular. Um, yeah. Instead of doing wine or something like that, do gin. Um, and you just get your own gin made. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, well that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> I then drove back from that customer and my marketing brain kicked in and I suddenly came up with this idea of login as a play on words with the word gin in it yeah. and we're an IT company <laughs> and you get to log in. Yeah. So um, I came up with that idea and I thought, that's interesting. Next thing I did is I then tried to give it a little bit of legs and I phoned a friend of mine, uh, Mark Robson, who um, runs some high-end uh, pubs in the local area and said, Mark, this is going to be like the daftest question in the world. <laughs> if I wanted someone to make me some gin, how would I go about that? He introduced me to a guy over in West Horsley um, a guy called Richard Muse, uh, who runs Muse Distillery, um, and he did a run of gin for us. I did the branding for it, the login logo, put that on there, and we gave it to all of our customers um, and our staff. It's such a nice gin that all of our customers came back and said, look, you know, we don't want another freebie, um, but can we buy some off of you? Because it was so nice. And I'm, I then thought, well, hang on, this is, this is cool. 
Um, it's a good bit of branding, a good bit of advertising for yeah. Project 5. Um, I can pick a charity of the year and all of the profits that we make from selling the gin Brilliant. can go to the charity of the year. Let's do this. Then, of course, when you get involved in the detail, you actually, there's there's laws in the way. Yeah, licensing. It becomes a bit you more have complicated to be able to, when you're selling yeah, it. Not just you have to really license premises if you have to sell it and that kind of stuff. So going through the hoops of doing that just seemed like crazy if I was going to do all that lot and just sell gin for charity. <laughs> I thought if I'm going to have a license, I might as well open a full bar um, and then login as a concept for the login lounge grew from that it grew from so many things in lockdown around um environmental this space has cost a lot of money um it costs a lot of money to operate why operate it just between 9 and 5 30 for a whole bunch of people who are now working from home let's invite other people in to share the space with us let's open it at seven and use it as a coffee house in the morning let's uh close it late at night and use it for live entertainment and stuff Mm. in the evening the hospitality industry, you know, it's been on its knees during COVID, um, and a lot of the, a lot of the actual people in the hospitality industry themselves got support from the government, but the suppliers mm. to the hospitality industry suffered massively. Absolutely. And of course, one of those suppliers would be the musicians and the live yeah. artists and that kind of stuff. So, giving uh, local live talent the opportunity to perform here suddenly became something else I was really interested in. In lockdown, I missed seeing live music um, and as soon as live music came back on I was out trying to go and see as many people as yeah. I could support them and then I thought well actually one of the best ways I can do it is I've got this amazing space let's invite them to come and play here and I guess over the last six months we literally have morphed from a co-working space that also does live entertainment to being a live entertainment space that allows you to come and co-work during the week uh, okay. and we've flipped the business completely in the last six months to the point where uh, Hazel and I are going home at two o'clock on a Friday night and two o'clock on a <laughs> Saturday night, um, having um, put on a, uh, a fabulous show. I think this weekend we've got got uh, acoustic um, la- la- login lounge, um, acoustic music on the Friday. Saturday we've got burlesque. Okay. Um, we've got all this stuff happening. Um, comedy last weekend. And so, yeah, it's just the whole thing has just morphed and grown and we're now just the login yeah. and everyone knows what it is um we're lots of different things for different people um and the place is absolutely buzzing it's interesting and it is it's got a great vibe about it you know it's got a great energy uh, even during the day as it is as a coffee shop downstairs and this kind of flexible co-working space upstairs so I have to come back and see some some of the evening events here but it's interesting because i often ask the question when people win those great awards like you do well what's the consequence you know what happened as a result of the award i think that's probably the best answer steve <laughs> i've ever seen well i ended up with a actually, completely new business yeah actually that's true isn't it yeah i hadn't really sort of thought of that before you know the con well, what did winning that award do it created a bar <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that and how have you found you know it's interesting to say about your side down leadership kind of structure and, mm-hmm. and that piece and hosting and, and naturally and you can see that when you walk in here and you know we as evolved with um sorry heath um borough council we ran an event here mm-hmm. in january didn't we? the kind of you know 2023 the good the bad and yeah the bad um and you were here then and it was great to see you hosting and, and all of those kind of things so it's something that comes naturally to you but what have you found difficult about making the transition into 
kind of this world? Oh, that's interesting. What have I found difficult? Um, it, it is learning a whole new set of skills. So um, trying to manage uh, stock levels mm. um, is is uh, is an interesting one. Um, yeah, we, we ended up having to lose a lot of stock uh, initially because we overbought on stuff that yeah. we thought was going to sell well and it didn't. Um, that That's definitely been a challenge. Uh, I think... One of the other challenges has been around trying to... So I've learned not to second guess and try and put on what I think other people might want to okay. be put on. Um, I've grown in confidence to just put on what I like yeah, and trust that actually there's an awful lot of people out there who like what I like. Similar likes. and Yeah. yeah. So um, I've uh, about th- six weeks ago... Two months ago, um, I we finished a live entertainment event. Um, I stuck a playlist on. There was a particular uh, track I think that played. I think it was an early Madonna '80s track or whatever that played. Some people suddenly got up and danced. I thought, well, that's interesting. Let's find another song to put on. Next thing I knew, running off of an iPad, I had uh, 60 people lined up here <laughs> doing the Gap Band. Oops, upside your head, because I was like thinking, oh, I remember that dance from the 80s. I used to enjoy that. Let's put that one on, and and we played that. Um, and uh, off the back of that, I then went and got some DJ decks. And I've now taught myself the DJ. And now at the end of an evening, I play the music that I like. I'm, I'm massively into music. I've got a, yeah, an right. enormous CD collection at home. Really, really nice stereo. And I like nothing more than sitting at home with a, a bottle of wine, some friends around and playing lots of tunes. Yeah. And I always get comments from yeah, from my kids, friends as well. And that kind of stuff where they say, yeah, Steve, you, you're playing songs that we recognise but you've got such different versions of them. It's really yeah. incredible, and, and people love my music collection. So I'm now just in a position where I go, instead of trying to second-guess what other people want, I'm just going to choose to play this playlist tonight, or I'll mix it up and actually DJ it properly, play what I want, and the next thing I know, there's a whole raft of people enjoying it, and I go, well, okay, that's <laughs> giving me confidence just to, to stick to my guns, which is, which is cool. They say follow your passions in life, don't they, and you'll yeah. succeed, and <laughs> maybe that's another great great example of that and and in terms of your kind of goals and aspirations mm-hmm. for the login lounge mm-hmm. how's that changed in you know in the last well, it's the, you know it's two years it's pivoted a bit you've changed the proposition yeah you know but you yeah. say now it's more of a venue and a then a co-working space yeah. where it's more co-working space and then yeah venue but what are your goals and aspirations what does good look like so I guess in a way the the purpose of logging hasn't really changed. Um, what I was doing was trying to, as environmentally friendly as possible, mm. um, create a space in the centre of town that was a gravitational pull mm. for the local community that brought them together um, and just created that whole kind of community feel. So the purpose hasn't changed just the method through which I do it is now slightly different. Yeah. So it's done through bringing people together for the live music. Yeah. Um, or it's yeah the way that we sort of sell the coffee or the food or the lunches or, or what have you. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think we've, we've massively pivoted what we were aiming to achieve and what yeah. good looks like. Um, I, I think I set uh, a challenge for my team uh, when we first opened, um, and it was around events. 
uh, and it was around specifically business networking events. And I said, we have got this right. The day that somebody turns up to log in for a business networking event and doesn't realise it was somewhere else in Camberley because yeah. this is the obvious place for it to be. And that literally happened, uh, I think it was November last year, okay. where somebody went, well, it's a business networking event. This is login. Why would it be anywhere else? Where is it? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's over in the library or it's over here or it's at that place or yeah. whatever. So, yeah, I wanted it to become like the most obvious place in the town centre to bring people yeah. together. Um, and that's still happening, but it's also happening now from a wider perspective because um, it's not just the business community we're bringing yeah, together. It's wider it demographic whole, of people. Yeah, the whole local community that Brilliant. we're bringing together. Um, and... Um, yeah, we, we, we don't have bouncers on the door. We don't have any trouble or anything like that. Um, as a age group, the people who use the property, who use the space, who come in for the entertainment, they're generally north of 30. Yeah. Um, we are probably 80% female um, okay. in people who come in through the doors. So our biggest sellers are Prosecco, uh, Gin and uh, Porn Star Martinis. Yeah. Um, the Real Owls and things like that are, are lower sellers. Um, but um, that's that's because of the, the the types of people that we we get coming in. But everybody says the same thing. They just love the space. There isn't anything else like it around. Um, people want to go out. They want to start mixing again. And this is the opportunity for them to do it. And it's it's a space for the community. It's a space for people to come together. So, yeah, I think we've got a similar vibe there. You know, we run a very you know an old schoolhouse that's been converted much much smaller space three and a half thousand not twenty thousand square feet but my whole philosophy on that was actually and it was during the pandemic was actually we'd been running it as our office and a bit of an event space for us and it was like no actually we need to do something for the community yeah so now we've really made it a community space you know we do the co-working during the day but the you know space is used as a pilates yoga studio four or five nights a week yeah um it's used for grammar school tuition yeah two three nights a yeah. week we have christmas you know local community put their christmas fair on in this yeah. space and, it, and it's brilliant because it's built bought this kind of building alive and back yeah. to be part of the community and yeah. i'm really proud of that yeah and, and i think yeah. there's something isn't there in in you know you, you can talk about esg and all of those things but i think as a business owner i think you've got a similar philosophy you know correct me if i'm wrong is that as business owners we should be part of the local community, yeah. com, you know, committing time, but also contributing something back. Yes, yeah, yeah, and, 100% agree. And I, I don't know, I think um, I talk a lot about um, the sort of change curve, the bell curve and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And I think there's a lot of people will get it wrong um, in, in order to try and create change. You know, you've got to be, you've got to be taking the people either side of you on the yeah. bell curve, on the journey with you. You can't be getting the people at the very beginning of the bell curve talking to the people at the very end of the bell yeah. curve. So trying to create that space that brings people together and do the right thing. Yeah. Um, I, I'm talking here sort of generally about ESG. I'm talking about um, you know, climate emergency. I'm talking about all of this kind of stuff is that um, I do think sometimes businesses... Are sort of operating a little bit too low, uh, too early on that bell curve, and they're mm. shouting at the people who are the other end of the bell curve, and they're trying to sort of, um, they're trying to put too much of a badge behind what they do. The way that the problems get solved 
are when people just do it normally. It's yeah. that tipping point on the bell curve. Yeah. And it's not about shouting about it. It's not about waving your arms in the air and, and, yeah. and, and highlighting things. It's about making the right decisions for the right reasons and they are considered to be normal. And so I think when, I, when I've, I've talked to people before and they've asked me some of the, the decisions we've made here, they're like, well, why are you not telling people about this? It's like, because I don't want it to be another bit of virtual signaling and all that yeah. kind of stuff. I just want everyone else to make these kind of ethical yeah. business decisions for the right reasons and it to be considered normal. All of our beers are sourced. Um, we've got uh, 12 taps up there for craft uh, craft beer, uh, all sourced locally. Um, all of our wines are sourced locally. Our cider is sourced locally. The um, floorboards of our old office are the edging of up here. This is recycled glass from um, something that was being converted and we brought it in. The uh, pallets um, that the concrete sacks arrived on when they did the concrete floor are that wall over here. Yeah. Um, the cups, you know, our logging cups. Um, I, I went to Africa six, seven years ago on a, on a holiday and um, came back with this little orange es uh, espresso cup with this lovely African design on it. Um, and I, I drew on the inspiration of that design uh, for some of the patterns that I've used in the fit out of this office. So wow. you'll see on the chairs, you'll see on the bunting, you'll see on some of the walls, the artwork downstairs. Now, I can see it's it. It's got yeah. that pattern on it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sourcing everything I can locally from yeah. local uh, local people, um, and I then try and source the cups, these cups that we need for for coffee, locally. In the UK, I couldn't even get anything in Surrey, um, but. In the UK, um, I was given a couple of opportunities. Both were about £6,000. Um, they were plain cups, no colour on the inside, screen printed with this design on it. And for me, I'm talking about doing things ethically. And I just took one look at that and I went, no, this, there's somebody in Africa painted the cup yeah, that I've stolen the design from. And I'm now going to give £6,000 to somebody in Sheffield to do a cheap copy of it this isn't right so we went and found the original um, pottery and artist in africa and we paid them the six thousand pounds wow. they got the entire village hand painting these cups and then we air freighted them over what? so from a environmental point of view yeah. it's an airplane has flown these in from africa but from an ethical point of view yeah. the person who came up with that design has now benefited. got the benefit from it. Yeah. And that £6,000 probably had more impact on that African village than uh, it would have done to that pottery up in Sheffield that offered to do it for the Amazing. same thing. And that's not something you know we shout about. That, that, that kind of level of ethical decision needs to be what business leaders just do because yeah. it's the right thing to do. But you do need to you know, do what you've just done there and tell some of those stories to make people sort of either side of you on that bell car curve particularly those coming through behind you on the bell curve think a bit differently don't you yes there's a difference between yeah. you know you could call it greenwashing in some cases you know yeah. that singing from the treetops about what you're doing yeah. businesses that you know maybe larger businesses that don't really do a lot yeah but there is that little bit about education and, and just inspiring other business owners and leaders to think differently yeah and I think there's a, there is a balance there, isn't there? You can't not promote a little yeah. bit about what you do. It's how you do it. It's how you do it. And I think 
I think you, you know, you've hit on it there with, with my approach is, is that it's my job to change the people um, just ahead of me on the bell curve yeah. who haven't yet changed. Yeah. And the message they need to they need to hear is not the same message that uh say an environmentalist would have done yeah. five years ago when they were trying to get us to understand and accept that there's a climate emergency. Yeah, you know, if you look at the, the messaging and voices and, and everything that was happening at that level of the of the bell curve, that changed the people immediately in front of them. Yeah. And they needed to hear that and everyone else on the bell curve ignored it. Yes. Because it wasn't, it didn't appeal to them. It didn't land with them. It didn't resonate with them. So I'm on that bell curve. I've made significant changes to the way that we live our life uh, to be more sustainable and things like that. You know, I've I've had an electric car for four years. Hazel's had an electric car for four years. Um, we've we just we're just making all these changes and we're making these small changes. But I don't shout about it in the same way right. that say I would have done if I was right down the bottom and the beginning yes. of that bell curve okay. because the people that. next to me the people who are going to change next need to hear it slightly differently yeah, and it needs to not be greenwashing or a big PR exercise yeah. or whatever and actually you know what that bar out there is probably one of the best ways of creating that change Yeah, because it's a recycled bar it's made out of scaffolding from the stuff that we put the HVAC on the ceiling on the roof with and old scaffold boards and we've created that bar and I stand at that bar and I have a glass of Brunello de Montecino with someone and we chat about stuff and then they go, oh, I hadn't thought of doing business that way. I hadn't thought of making yeah. those kind of decisions. And they're the people who are just yeah. the next people that along on the bell curve. And they needed to hear different. it that way, not me there yeah. with some great big poster or whatever yeah. shouting about my ESG but I don't, to be honest, I don't even know what ESG stands for <laughs> I don't want to have an ESG policy I just want Do people the right in the in business the right to make yeah. the right decisions ethically yeah. uh, so and fair one of the I'm going to ask you in a minute was the best piece of advice you've ever received but one of the best pieces I ever received was very early on when I started my first business age 29 and um, somebody just said you know, proper people do proper business in a proper way. Yeah. And it really resonated with me. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and that kind of lives with you and you think and that's what it's about, isn't yeah. it? It's doing the right thing for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, not just for the publicity stunts. So I'm gonna ask you that now. I'm gonna to have to have to give him one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received. What do you think one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received, Aston? Um, that's a difficult one because I've I've surrounded myself with really good friends who've always been able to inspire me with different bits of advice. I remember uh, uh, one friend of mine, Dave Good, um, back in 2008 when everyone was talking about how to su survive a recession. Yeah. He said, you're too bloody late. You should have figured that one out mm -hmm. when the times were good. Yeah. What you should be thinking about now is is how you grow your business. Uh, I can't tell you how to survive the recession because the recession actually is a lag indicator. Yeah, definitely. Yeah? You experience the pain of a, a recession is two quarters of, of, of contraction. Well, you've <laughs> already experienced the pain when the press tell you that you've had two quarters yeah. of contraction, especially because those two quarters, the figures aren't published for another three months afterwards. Yeah. So actually, when, when the press tell you there's a recession, yeah. that was nine months ago it when you were feeling the pain. Could well be coming out the other side. Exactly. So you need to be ahead of those cycles. So there's there's things like that that I think were really good bits of advice. Um, I, I've always loved uh, the works of uh, 
works. I mean, it sounds like Shakespeare, doesn't it? <laughs> the works of uh, Simon Sinek and yeah. some of the things that he talks about start with why yeah. good leaders eat last. That's always a massive one for me. I've got to make sure my team have all eaten before yeah. I eat. That's part of the hosting yes, sort of thing. That come, so there's all of those things. But um, there was one person in particular that brought it to life, and it was his the guy was called uh, Chris Rag, um, and it was around the start with why, and he was talking about you know a drill and and most companies in the uk sell a drill incorrectly they talk about it being 18.5 volts 4000 watts this chuck key this that whatever and they, they just give you all the stats about the drill nobody in the world wants a drill no nobody wants <laughs> nobody needs a drill what we need is a hole mm. and what you should do is talk <laughs> about the perfect hole yeah and then people will buy the drill and turning that round, why do you want to drill? You want to drill for a hole. But I then sort of took that one step further and then went, okay, yeah, Chris is right. It's a hole I'm buying, not a drill. But why am I buying a hole? <laughs> and actually, I think the company that has got this right is Wix. Yeah. With that, it's got my name on it. Yeah. Instead of it being about a 18.5 volt DeWalt drill or a perfect hole, there is a kid smiling at their dad, who's just yeah. put up a shelf in their bedroom, and that's why I'm buying a drill. Yeah. It's because I want my son or daughter to look at me and go, you're the best dad in the world, because look, you've just put a shelf up in my <laughs> yeah. bedroom. That's what it I'm has buying. nothing to do with the actual it's tool. It's got nothing so. to do with the drill. It's got nothing to do with the hole. It's yeah. about creating that feeling in, in a child that you've done something for them. So I think, yeah, from a best piece of business advice, it was along those lines of it's around... Um, why are people buying what it is that you're mm. selling? And if you can appeal to that, if you can connect to that motivation, yeah. then just do the right thing, give them what they need, and just move on from there, and, and the success will come later. Brilliant. We should talk about, I'm intrigued to know your thoughts about this, particularly with your collectively Camberley sort of chair hat yeah. on, and you know, running a uh, the login on the high street. Um, you know, what's your thoughts and views big question i suppose on the future of the high street yeah i think it's it's something that's there isn't it it's uh, it's it's getting a lot of attention um personally i think one of the big causes of of the problems we've got today were when um we the government introduced uh, permitted development rights mm. and allowed us to convert offices into into flats i've i've done the maths i've done the calculations if i look at all of the uh buildings that existed around the town centre here in Camberley that were offices, every day there would be about 10,000 people who would travel into Camberley and work in Camberley. And at lunchtime they would go out and they would spend money in the town centre. They've all now been converted to Mm. flats. Those 10,000 people have now become, uh, I think I worked out it was around about 700 people because they now live in a flat. Yeah. which takes up an awful lot more space than a whole bunch of desks. Yeah. Yeah, we used to have holiday autos were here, okay. and that holiday autos is gone, and they, you know, there's, there's flats and stuff down there. These people in the flats wake up, yeah. there's nowhere for them to work, so they leave Camberley and go somewhere else. Yeah. So all of our footfall and all of our retail stuff has been caused by the conversion um, of uh, offices into yeah, flats. That's replicated those, in every high street around exactly. the country, isn't it? And those people now work outside of town they get the car or the bus to come into town and because there's no footfall no one's holding any stock 
They try and buy what they need to buy and they get told, okay, we'll order that in for next day delivery yeah. and come back tomorrow and collect it. And they go, well, why the hell am I bothering to come into town? I might yeah. as well do it on Amazon and do it online. So things get delivered to people. So that's destroyed the footfall in the town centre, which has given the retailers not enough confidence to hold mm. the stock that they need because everything has moved to online. Don't get me wrong, online is incredibly convenient now. When when this first started happening, we were talking 28-day delivery <laughs> yeah. terms, whereas now you know, with Amazon you can almost get next uh, same-day delivery yeah. on, on some products. So you know, we, the whole thing has morphed. So retail is not what the town centre is about now. Um, I think social media doesn't help because you've got all of the residents who are very down on their locations, mm. their town centres themselves, this isn't good, this isn't good, that's not good, there's another place closing down, another place closing down, or what have you. If you look at Cambly as a town centre, yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of shops that have closed down. But it's got nothing to do with Cambly. No. Those shops don't exist anywhere. Anywhere. No. Those shops themselves have it's gone from every issue. single yeah, town it's, centre. It's, it's, yeah. So we need, we need our community to be more positive about the space that's here uh, and really recognise that actually... It, as a town centre it is thriving it may not have been thriving in a retail way the way it used to but it is thriving um, and then we've got to look at other services that can't be bought online that yeah. you have to do when you're when you're in the town centre and I look at what we did here with, with login is I could have created a co-working space or a new office for, for Project 5 by getting somewhere out of town I wanted to do it here because when you come here, you can do some of your life admin whilst you're here. Yeah. You can go and get your eyes tested. You can go and get uh, a filling done. Um, you can go to the, the chemist and pick up your prescription. You can go next door to Sports Direct and pick up some football boots for your kids. You can do all of this yeah. stuff whilst you're here. So for me, it was really important that I was trying to bring my teams into the town centre because they could get their other yeah. stuff done. They wouldn't need to take a day off. Yeah. They could just pop out they could just pop and out get and what they needed to and come back day, again, whatever, that kind yeah. of thing. So they made us a lot more productive. Um, but off of the back of that, yeah, you just see the same thing now where you look at what services can we be providing here in the town centre that bring the community together. And that's where the work that we're doing in Collective Cambly is so good because we are bringing people together for events. We've got a beach that we're going to put onto Park Street um, in uh, in a few weeks' time. So there's a big, a big sort of like beach, giant deck chairs, and all the families will come along. They'll build their sand castles and that kind of stuff. But whilst they're doing that, they're buying, uh, you know, coffees they're from in and out of the shops that from here. Yeah, yeah. they're getting ice here. cream from uh, from Creams, which yeah. is next door. They're doing all of that kind of stuff. So it's bringing that footfall in. You add that to the you know the car show, the farmers market, uh, the Christmas light switch on. All of these events bring people in, make them proud of their town centre, yeah. um, but but bring that kind of business to the local businesses that are here. And so many of them are independents. And you're seeing that, uh, as again, as most town centres are, it's, there's a lot of independent shops yeah. now coming back, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. But even the ones that aren't independent, you know, there's the Starbucks down there yeah. and, and they, they compete with us. You know, we're a coffee house, they're a coffee house. Um and you know, you, people look at it and go, oh, yeah, it's a big brand. Well, it may be a big brand, but it is a franchise business. Yeah. There is a business owner like me that is running that. And if people get on their high horse and start boycotting yeah. Starbucks, the employees and the business owner of that coffee shop suffer. Yeah. 
Okay, they don't send, you know, the Starbucks themselves will also suffer. They won't get some of their profits sent yeah. back to their quarters. But they are local people, local jobs. Why why kick up a fuss and yeah, boycott them? something back into the community. But yeah, but then, and people need choice, don't they? I think for a high street to work, yeah. you want choice, don't yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. A different thing on a different day, maybe even, yeah. you know? Um, so that... Collectively, Camberley, you know, mm-hmm. you're part of the Surrey Chamber as well. Mm-hmm. You talked about the cybersecurity yes. um, cluster. Well. Yeah. Um, is it a big part of your life and your philosophy to get involved in all of those things? What drives you to get involved? I'm crap at saying no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it's. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, uh, build a life you don't need to make a take a vacation from. Yeah. Um, do what you love and you'll never work another day in your life. You know, it's all of those kind of things that come in. And yeah, I, I love what I do. I love bringing different people together um, and seeing what I can do to help. Um, so yeah, those those kind of not-for-profits, Collective Cambly, the uh, Surrey Cybersecurity Cluster. I mean, that's great. I'm bringing together university students from Royal Holloway and from University of Surrey into Login um they're watching presentations from industry leaders on the stage and meeting employers in the building and the employers are loving it because they're getting their staff trained from some of the presentations that are on there and then they're talking to these university graduates who are coming through and they're offering them uh, placements and jobs and it's a whole kind of like pipeline of talent there so seeing these youngsters stepping out of their comfort zone and learning and interacting with the businesses is great, but also, you know, the, the solving the problem around recruitment. A lot of people talk about the recruitment uh, of talent being really difficult at the moment. Um, I think it's fantastic at the moment. It's okay. really easy. In what you, way? Well, I, I, I'd advertise a job in Project Five, and I get six hundred applicants, yeah. and it would take Lorna ages to go through six hundred applicants. Now we only get sixty, <laughs> and we we can find you people so find much people. easier because yeah. I've only got 60 CVs to go through and um, in fact actually after I finish this I'm going out for lunch with um, three of um, my team who've all passed this week their three month probation Brilliant. so um, as, a, as the MD I take them out for lunch yeah. uh, with their team leaders so there's, there's um, three of us, uh, three of them and, and me and their two team leaders going out for for lunch um and they started three months ago i think i've got some more of them coming up next week or week afterwards so we've taken on a lot of new people um this year and we've not had any issues at all finding good quality people to come in um so but i guess a lot of that comes from that 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 community that ecosphere that you're creating if you're if you're if you're creating that center of gravity that gravitational pull in you attract businesses you attract um, students you attract the right sort of people in and, and it's easy then to, to, yeah, to recruit definitely it's about creating that yeah the ambience the, the philosophies the reputation the brand that employer yeah. brand yeah. that it's a good place to come it's a good place to work yeah. you know there is a scarcity of people isn't it but you know that's uh, um, yeah there's always ways it can be overcome it just becomes difficult at times yeah yeah so as we wrap up our conversation, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been wide and varied, Steve. I always end with the same question, which is, what is your definition of success? Oh, I'm intrigued by this one. You know what? I wish I'd have had some time to think about that. What's my definition of success? I don't know. I, 
it's actually it, I know how to answer it but I need to try and answer it without getting a little emotional because it's been a very difficult week this week um, one of my uh, best friends and uh, a guy who's worked uh, as a senior manager in Project 5 for 13 years um, uh, unexpectedly and suddenly passed away sorry and it was that. his funeral on uh, Tuesday um, but one of the things that I I saw, I, I mentioned earlier on in the podcast about Chris Rag and the, the yeah. drill and the hole and all that kind of stuff. Um, at his funeral, um, it was standing room only, and I went and shook his two sons' hands, um, uh, David and Stephen, um, and obviously they were in their sort of 40s, 50s or whatever, and I shook their hands and, and just you know said about oh, the impact that Chris had had on my life. And they sort of said, one of them, I think, it was Stephen. Said, "So, so who are you?" And I said, oh, I, I, you won't know me. I'm, I'm Steve. Yeah. I worked with, you know, Chris, with the IOD." Um, and he went, "Oh yes, you're the IT company. Put it five. Uh, you're orange." Um, yeah, Chris used to talk very fondly about you and that kind of stuff. And that, that, I stood back a little bit after that, and I heard that conversation. Mm-hmm. I heard those two sons. Um, feeling immensely proud that their dad had helped so many people that all these people turned up to congratulate them and want to pay their respects and that these two sons knew the stories behind a lot of the people who turned up. And I looked at it and I went, yeah, actually, I think my definition of success is a full funeral with people wanting to be there to shake uh, Lexi and Nathan, my two children's hands, and just say... You know what? Well, your, your dad kind of helped inspire me on to do Did something good. that I wouldn't have yeah. done if he hadn't have been there to do that. So, yeah, I think that's really where, that's how I would define success. And and I saw it um, this week at, at Phil's funeral. Um, there were hundreds of people there, um, lots of people there who um, had been inspired by him, the support he's given them over, certainly here at Project Five, the last thirteen years, the support that he'd given them. We've got apprentices who. Um, didn't think they would ever get a job anywhere and they came on as apprentices and they've all passed their apprenticeships with distinctions yeah. and they're all full-time here at Project 5 now and they are thriving, they are succeeding, they're doing really, really well and that's down to the the care and support that Phil gave them um, and they were there you know, this week to pay their respects to, to, to Phil and to, you know, to shake his son's hands yeah. and say... Thank you. And in the pub afterwards, Nick, one of our, our youngest apprentices, um, he was talking to um, to Blake, um, Phil's eldest son, and the two of them were just chatting in the pub together. And you just look at that and just go, that's the definition of success, mm-hmm. making a difference in people's lives. Absolutely. That means when they're not around anymore, that gets passed on to the children. It gets passed on and gets remembered. Yeah. Brilliant. That's well, deep, isn't it? It is. It's, <laughs> it's a, very deep. It's a beautiful <laughs> answer, Steve. A beautiful answer. So if people want to learn more about Steve, more about Project 5, importantly more about login, where can they go? Just Google. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't have business cards. Um, uh, I, whenever I introduce myself, I just introduce myself as Steve. Um, I don't think I'm that difficult to find. Okay, there you are. Google. <laughs> Brilliant, Steve. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been wide, as I say, and varied. It's covered a lot of areas. I love your some of your philosophies and principles of the way in which you tackle business and you approach business. So thank you for being a great guest on the Evolved to Succeed podcast. And thank you for some good questions.
Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvedmembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.